This is apartment 303. Didn't they say 304? No, 303, I wrote it down twice. Apartment 303, which I've definitely heard of. Greetings, human beings, and welcome back to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and alongside my co-host, Dan, we are here every month to discuss all things community, each and every layer of the show, and why we love it so much. All right, we have finally gotten to our fourth and final region of this year's hashtag Six Seasons in a Bracket. And for this last region, we are doing something that is very different than the other three regions. And it almost became a catch-all for relationships that didn't necessarily strictly fit into one of the other more well-defined criteria that we had for the other regions. So Dan came up with the name Oddball for this bracket. I think that fits really, really well. And hopefully this one is almost definitely going to be the wackiest out of the four we've done so far. But... As we always do for each region, before we actually kick off the first round, which pairings, which relationships did I not include in these eight seeds that that you strongly feel should have been included or, or had strong consideration? Oddball bubble picks! There were a few, there was one actually I wrote down, there are a couple I want to get to, but the one that I wrote down that wasn't even on the side list that I think would have been a lot of fun to talk about was... Todd versus the group because or Todd and the group however you want to call it because there's literally a whole episode centered around introducing his character which has a lot of interesting conversations about how like they even touch on Troy and Abed being together for too much of it and like splitting them up even if it's just for that semester that is not only a great bottle episode but then he has such a great arc as well in the law and order episode there's a really funny Todd line when they they talk about Jeff with the new study group. And I wish I could remember it verbatim where he's like, some things just need to be forced like a human head through a six inch pipe. And I was like, what the hell is that line? It's so dark and weird. He says and it to he, Dave, to uh, Darcy yeah. Sullivan at like the yeah. end of the show, right? Yeah, he says it to Dave. And then Dave looks at him. He goes, what? And he's like, I'm just kidding up top. And it's like, oh, that was unsettling. But it's still really funny. Todd was one of those like found gold characters where it's like you give him the right lines. It's just going to be amazing. Offense taken. So I loved him for one of them. A lot of the ones I like were were very much like one character and how they played off everyone else. Like I understand why this one was on the side, but I also like study group and Coogler. They lifted somebody who would have been that person in the 80s out of the 80s and they put them into the 2010s. And that's how his character would be. And I love the fake trailer. I loved how Mitchell Hurwitz popped up a couple of times doing this character. He was so much fun. And then the other one, like a, a super one off and only in one episode, Steady Group versus Buddy, only because Jack Black does such a good job. He kind of goes all over the place, which is him as an actor. But I would say like those three are interesting. And I, I wish just briefly to mention Mr. Rad. I think that's great. There was really nowhere to put them. And like maybe if we do an homages bracket later on for individual episodes. That could be a lot of fun because I think the Glee one is such a good episode. But just picking, I think I picked like four. So yeah, those four I liked, but I understand most of them why they didn't make it. I guess I'll hop in there and I'll say that Buddy in the study group was also on my short list, not only for how he interacts with the study group, but the fact that he leaves them for the cool study group with Owen Wilson. <laughs> And, and Starburns, Starburns yeah. in, right? Exactly. So that's 
kind of fun. But again, it's just a one episode arc. But that's kind of the beauty of this particular bracket, too, is, you know, we know we call it the oddball bracket. I, I thought much too late to uh, call it the madcap wacky bracket, but maybe next year. So, yeah, Buddy was one that I had thought of. Yeah, there's just so many great different options. I don't know how you committed to just eight on this. Like, you, we literally could have done a bracket, of, a full 64 bracket of just oh, yeah. randomness. Almost certainly. And I like the one Dan brought up, too. I think I actually really considered Todd versus the study group. That was one of my first ones out during the uh, rivalry bracket, which almost didn't make it. So that relationship was actually considered for our first region as well as for this one. This region is the one that I don't really feel that bad about leaving relationships out just because there were so many from which to choose and all the ones that are included are so fun. So I want to acknowledge those ones that you guys brought up, but let's get right into it here because this first one is, it, it's a little bit of a mouthful. It's not, it's not as clear cut. So I want to make sure that I present it in a well-defined fashion here. It's the number one seed going up against the number eight seed. And the number eight seed is the relationship between Pierce and Gilbert. And for the number one seed, I think it was originally pitched as Troy and Vice Dean Laybourne. But when I was thinking about it and thinking about the bracket, I really wanted to, especially in this region where we're kind of, you know, using this to go more outside, you know, color outside the lines. I wanted to include all of air conditioning repair school. So the number one seed is Troy and his relationship with the air conditioning repair school. I'll go first. I'll jump in. And I will defend your decision to broaden it from just Vice Dean Laybourne to the, the whole uh, AC repair annex. And for me, this is the perfect example of community at its best when it is wild and out there, but in a way that actually still feels totally grounded. Because if everyone who's been to a high school or a university knows that there's just some group of people who have this, this high-ranking status, for a lot of people, it's, you know, maybe the football team. At Greendale, obviously, it's not. It's just this consolidation of power. For that to be an air conditioning annex was just brilliant. And the way that they went through it with the palm fronds and just like the whole history of air conditioning. It's uh, a the, trade school. It's a two-year trade school in boxes that make rooms colder. Yeah. Everything that we have just said is the perfect reason why <laughs> that is the epitome of what community can do. Briefly here on, on the Pearson Gilbert of it all, because, again, that's a really fun, it, just within the, the single episode. Digital estate planning? Yeah, yep. right. Digital estate planning it is. Just within that one single episode to see how their relationship changes is very interesting on the surface level. The amount of backstory that you get and any feeling of sorrow you might have had for Pierce like totally gets undercut by the fact that their dad used Gilbert uh, to get a better view at church. Like, holy mm. wow. That is a it's 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 a it's a pretty solid joke that hits pretty hard. But also, like, if you think about that actually happening, it's super depressing, much like Britta's reaction, not Shirley's to that news. And it's it's really interesting. And it, it continues to grow a little bit from there in season four. Gilbert comes for the Halloween episode and I'm assuming initiates the call for Pierce to go to uh, 
sensitivity training in, in during the Christmas episode explaining Pierce's absence. So that's pretty interesting. I like it. But for me, the AC repair annex and Troy move along. Picking up where you left off, digital estate planning is one of my favorite episodes. It's so many things the community did where it was like, why has no one done this before? Like, why has there literally never been a straight up video game episode before? It was one of those things where it was like, well, yeah, of course, of course, this should be a thing. Like, of course, this is exactly what my eyeballs want to be seeing and my earballs want to be hearing. And I was feasting my ear tongues on those memory pops. And like you said about how it went from one point where you think Gilbert's a villain and then how it changes and evolves. And it's like and then Pierce tries to hand him a gun, go in there and kill our dad. And it's like, whoa, don't think you know how this works. And then, like you said, the sensitivity training is a great poll. I didn't remember that until you said it. And then him coming back for the Halloween episode, I would say that Halloween episode is possibly the best of the gas leak year. That's a super solid standalone episode. So many solid jokes. The indoor gym that Troy finally shows everybody is like, why are there so many collars and thus secret dogs? And like that one episode, and especially how they kind of set it up as almost a clue episode where they keep pulling back and showing you the game board. Pierce and Gilbert, it lends a lot to once you kill off Pierce's dad, how they are both just damaged people from having Pierce's father as a father. But then you go into Troy, and I'm glad we changed from, because it was Troy and Vice Dean Laybourne, and then I can't remember who succeeded him, the the secondary Vice Dean. I can't pull his character's name. You're talking about Murray? The second no. in command at AC Repair? Was it, was it Murray? Was that his name? Well, Murray's the one who killed Vice Dean Laybourne and was ultimately yes. vanquished by Troy. This is where you see the shine of what can happen and how how that starts in the beginning of season three, ironically, with the Dean having a goatee and then going, he's like, this head is going to come down to this appendage and say, what's up? And then it starts from there. And then you get the the shaving off of the goatee because it looks ridiculous by the incomparable John Goodman. And the fact that they got him for multiple episodes was so funny. And every time he pops up to like, just plant those seeds of doubt in Troy and Abed to get Troy to the air conditioner repair school, but then how it becomes its own thing and they have their own gods and their own religion. When you get to use Troy, a character who is very off the wall to have him being the voice of reason going, no, he killed someone. Take him to jail. You guys are weird. And then to even go further and have it become more meta when he shows back up and he goes, oh, I changed that and I can do that because I'm their messiah. And it's like, wait, what? But you don't blink. It doesn't change anything about any of the dynamics. You're like, yes, this totally makes sense. And it fits within the context of the show and what you've created and what you're doing with this air conditioning repair annex. So, yeah, I like Pierce and Gilbert, but I am definitely agreeing with Adam that uh, Troy and AC repair should move on. All right. That one advances pretty solidly here to the next round. This one should, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit closer, but you guys have uh, certainly surprised me a few times throughout the course of this year's tournament. So for this current matchup, we've got the number four seed, the relationship between Jeff and Starburns, going up against the number five seed, the relationship between Elroy and white folks. Jeff and Starburns, it's so interesting, and I like how Starburns is a prime example, especially here in the oddball bracket of a character that starts off as a punchline and then has way more to do than you ever thought would ever be imaginable for a character named Starburns. And I like that 
I think one of the smartest things they did writing for him was the fact that everyone calls him Starburns and his first reply is, my name is Alex. That's how everyone knows him. And he just keeps saying, my name is Alex. And specifically the relationship between him and Jeff, where Jeff pretty much uses him as a punching bag a lot of the time. And he is, oh, I think it's in the first season. It just popped into my head where Jeff is describing to Britta about how Annie dating Vaughn is a bad thing because he's a gateway douchebag. And Jeff replies with, sure, that can be your toast at her shotgun wedding to Starburns. And then like a minute later, he swings by and he's like, so I'm going to just jump to the top of my to-do list. And it's like, oh, like he's so sleazy. And again, like he approaches the biology professor about getting a Breaking Bad thing going on. And then when you wind up killing off Starburns, there's actually a lot of weight to it. Moving on to Elroy and White folks, I think that this is a great way to frame it because a lot of it starts off with Elroy and Jeff and how Jeff really wants to be Elroy's friend, but he can't understand why they're not really friends. But when you get one of their first adventures together, when Elroy first gets introduced and you have that really funny freeze frame where it's like hard drive and wingman Thursdays at eight, nine central or something like that where there's a great joke with that. But I think it's a funny foil to in season one where they do the sailing episode and Troy and Shirley jump on immediately and Pierce is like, oh, I'm doing sailing too. And I forget who he asked. It's not Abed because Abed goes to the pottery where he goes, do you want to come join sailing? There's black people. And so they do a really good job on community about playing with race but not making it like there's there's never any ill intent and bringing in Elroy as someone who's already a fully developed character plays really well into that and as much as I like Jeff and Starburns I think Starburns kind of the reason I'm going to go with Elroy and white folks over Jeff and Starburns is for the sheer fact that one of the best jokes in the entire run of the show is Elroy encouraging white people that joke should be framed because it's so funny because of his voice just being that so velvety and smooth. And he has a song just to a random guy about how he should keep wearing his pants. And then he's congratulating he's congratulating Garrett for marrying his cousin and he's doing it so confidently. Oh, that whole two minutes is just sheer perfection. Yeah, this is a really interesting pairing here. I remember when I was first watching Community with my brother, you know, for some weekend I was visiting or whatever, just seeing a character with star-shaped sideburns and the fact that he was called Starburns blew my mind. And I was like, that's the funniest side character gag I've ever seen. And the way uh, Chang would always pronounce his name and overemphasize the Burns part, so it was always Wait, yeah, Starburns. Right. Which is exactly why I did that. Yeah, and... That was hysterical. And then the fact that he continues to add a top hat and then a lizard and like he's looking for these other, you know, components to his personality so that he's not just star burns. He's this guy with all this eclectic stuff going on, which is really interesting. And in some ways, that's a, a fun mirror to Jeff, because what we see on the surface with Jeff is this guy who doesn't really care about anything, but we know by the end of the show how much he does care. I will always love Starburns for his pitch-perfect rendition of Ant Marching by Dave. You know, they're hee-haw, both... hee-haw. 
And these two are just both staples at Greendale, and they're around enough, and they've run into each other enough. It's it's a fun combination there. I have and, a quick trivia for you. Do you do either one of you remember who the celebrity cameo is right before it's revealed that Starburns is not dead? That would be the one, the only, the incomparable Ben Folds. Correct. He is the. Is it a professor? Like a. He's a the greenhouse professor. professor? Uh, or it's in the bot. stables. Is that where they said the stables? No. We have stables? So Starburns is in the stables. Ben Folds is growing marijuana plants. Yes. And I remember seeing that live. I was like, was that Ben Folds? That and was then Ben Folds. Later on, you know, thanks to the internet, confirmed that. Um, so then switching to the number five seed there, you've mentioned all of my favorite things about Elroy and seeing it listed out as white folks, my head first went to the the joke using air quotes about white people being so disappointed and all you have to do is tell them encourage them yeah encourage them to keep doing what they're doing that if if the joke had stopped there it would have been one of the one of the funniest parts of season six the fact that it keeps going and like it just builds and at no point am i like oh he's wrong about anything it's like no this is just way too real and the fact that he just can't put a lid on it is just magnificent. So in a rare case here of me going and uh, choosing the, the the smaller sample size over the larger sample size, I will agree with you. I'll take the five seed. All right, let's go ahead and advance that. Get down to the next matchup where we've got the number two seed going up against the number seven seed. And then the two seed, we've got another group here that goes beyond our traditional pairings of two, and that is the relationship between Dean Pelton, Chang, Officer Nunez. And that's going up against the number seven seed, which is the study group and Professor Garrity. So, Adam, I think it's it's your turn to chime in here first. It is, and I first have to commend you for including Officer Nunez because he is one of the characters, you know, we had done a most underrated category on one of our podcasts in a previous season he's got to be on that list as well because he's very very funny for just the short maybe two to three episodes at the very most before Chang takes over and he can't remember the the word for the arm when people it's are got, trying to take thing, tickets yeah comes down yeah stops you from going yeah so uh very glad that he's included on here with Dean Pelton and Chang in particular, that relationship I think is best in the episode where Chang tries to convince everyone that Arizona is a Palomino. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Larry Bird is somehow involved on his little board there. And it's really funny for an episode. For me, it gets a little sweaty after that. And, and I didn't need a whole Chang taking over the school arc myself even though that did give us a, a good reason to have Phoebe. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up my sitcoms. He's a doppeldiener. No, you're right. He's Phoebe in this. Yeah, he there's, is the, uh, he's referred oh, to at least once, or I think when they first find him. Okay. When they first find him. Yeah. yeah, he plays the bar mitzvah, and that's where uh, Chang gets the idea. Okay, all right, good. I'm glad I'm, I'm back on track now. Again, it's a pretty funny bit to talk about campus security at a community college in the way that they do and how serious they take it. All of that is good. 
the study group versus or study group and Professor Garrity, however, is legendary. And for me, there's no question that the seven seed advances. Professor Garrity, if he had just been contained to the conspiracy theories episode when he went by Professor Professorson, you know, although it was Professor Burb, they were Dutch, but they had to change it. If it had just been that one episode, I would still advance this. But the fact that Garrity comes back more times, just for me, is just a treasure trove of brilliance in sitcom writing. And I will always be caging, as uh, as he's written on the board. I will never not be caging. Garrity and company move on. That was my, I think both of these technically were my pitches, where it was Pelton, Chang, and Nunez, and then... At the 11th hour, we went ahead and changed Garrity to doing the whole study group because he has multiple arcs with lots of different characters, which is why I said it should probably be everybody. But I will be slightly begrudging because when you when when Dave did that, he bumped the seating down. So these are two of my two of my favorites, honestly, in this whole bracket are up against each other. But I should take them one at a time. So. Pelton, Chang, and Nunez, I think this was a good example of you have two characters. Like Nunez being the straight man gives so many good one-liners that are so dry where he's talking to the dean and they realize they're running out of money. The dean is like, come on, spray your solutions all over me. And Nunez is like, I don't know, we could get some kind of gas that knocks out monkeys. And it's like... He's, he's not even sure while he's saying it to him. And he's like, oh, okay. And then later on, it pays off with Chang screaming monkey gas in the air ducts. And then it just kind of snowballs. And then it's like, oh, we, I can't afford to pay your salary as of two weeks ago. And then he sticks around because he needs his scuba certification. It's just like those little lines that Nunez gets to give. And he also is the... He's the catalyst for Chang, like not only being the security guard, but also the Model UN episode where Britta is feeling very down on herself about how she has other friends who are doing activisms and being pepper sprayed and like detained in foreign countries. And so she's trying to do what she can at her community college by just being in a cage and hitting a globe with paint on it. And like Nunez has that little monologue where it's like she got pepper sprayed by a real cop and then hands Chang a taser, which is something you wouldn't see by the end of that season. And maybe we'll have a debate sometime because that's as much as Chang being a warlord is awkward. I do think it gives some of the best episodes of the series. So I love that arc just for where it goes. So the fact that it starts with Nunez and then you get at the end of like Nunez's run, you get the dueling film noir internal monologues from both Pelton and Chang. And they're like conflicting, whereas Pelton's is talking about how he missed the firemen and whether or not they were like sweaty or like had a calendar or something like that. And then Chang is still going on this conspiracy theory thing with, like you said, Arizona being a Palomino. It's just those three played off each other so pitch perfectly that it was it was a sight to behold. But then on the other side of the coin, when you introduce Garrity in that episode, they talk about how they had the line written for Jeff when he first realizes that like his fake class is a thing, but he gets really excited for it. They didn't know how uh, Joel was going to deliver that line and his like exuberance going, I don't know, I don't know. Like he's so happy. It's just the happenstance that things are just going his way. 
So there was that. There's all the conspiracy theories with him and Annie and Jeff and the Dean. And then you have Officer Krakowski coming in and like them putting a nice bow on all three of them. But then even later in that season, you have the acting class with Troy and Britta and like him doing the monologue of the pain of not having real pain is still pain. Like, and then you get into the later episodes with Abed and too much caging and they were doing film studies and it's just a little, that was brilliant. Oh, I am so... Would it matter, Dave? Do you want to talk about this and give me a little bit more time to think? Because I'm so in the middle right now. I am going to bail you out as many curveballs as you try to throw me today. Okay. I am going to bail you out. I'm going to okay. jump in here. And I know I seated this as a seven, but as we talked about in the first region of uh, you know this year's tournament, those were very much just gut reactions. Uh, I wanted to to be able to be flexible after we had kind of talked about things and, you know, had heard your guys' points and just been reminded of, of various parts of these relationships that I enjoy. I was really glad when you had suggested doing the discussion on the Dean, Chang, and Nunez, because I think he is someone who is, and I think we've even overlooked before, in that one episode that Adam had mentioned. So I'm glad we got to suss all of that out. But, you know, as our listeners will know, I am a huge fan of the the character uh, of Professor Garrity in, in all of his iterations. And, uh, you know, you guys have made it very easy for me uh, in this one case to uh, go against myself. And so my vote would be to, to go with Adam, go with the upset special uh, and advance the number seven seed here. I'm okay with that either way because those two pairings and those two... I love both of them so much, so I'm not upset either direction. So Study Group versus Garrity, I'm more than happy to advance. All right, that brings us to the final matchup of our first round here, the three versus the six. In the three seed, we have Troy and LeVar Burton going up against the number six seed, which is Jeff and Leonard. I can hear you grinning over there, which is not a bad thing in any way, shape, or the word. I'm looking Just... at my signed picture of LeVar Burton. <laughs> if I had 100 wishes, I would just wish for 100 signed headshots of LeVar Burton. And I, I should probably just start with that since we already leaned into it a little bit. I think that actually might be, we talked about it on the last bracket, that might be the uh, Megan Gantz written episode. And another thing I remember hearing them talk about in the commentary where they were saying she texted Donald and she was like, you don't have a lot of lines in this next episode, but I think it's going to be one of your favorites. And that was the LeVar Burton episode. It was the first documentary filmmaking. And another Pierce X Machina, uh, Jeff even says money can't just make people appear. And then LeVar Burton pops his head around the corner. And it was just the introduction of their relationship. And then it becomes a bit of a running joke to where Pierce keeps going. LeVar Burton was a maybe. And then in season four, he goes, no, LeVar Burton was a hard no. So it's really interesting how they use that and they use him to play himself and how he just shows up. He's so game. He's just authentically himself and he's very charming. And just to let Troy act off of him for all of it. And then even they address it when LeVar Burton comes back at the end of the lava, the hot lava episode and LeVar thinks he's the same. He's like, I know it's going to be awkward for you talking with me. He's like, no, that was the old version of me. This is the clone and we're fine and I have questions. And so it like has this other layer and then the little cry on. Uh, I can't remember in what episode, but it says that uh, they get captured by pirates, which is also I've heard 
rumblings that that would be a great way to start the movie where it's like they have to go find Troy and LeVar Burton because their ship was captured by pirates, which could be a lot of fun. Even from that little microcosm of their relationship, there's so much there. Jeff and Leonard, the fact that, again, we talked about this a little bit with Nunez, but Nunez and then Starburns, where you had like a one-off character. He shows up for a joke, and they talked about it saying that they literally put an ad out for an old man who could swim, and that was it. And that's where you first see Leonard. He's in the pool while Brit is on trial for cheating, and I think there is a joke where it's like, if you're going to argue with me, at least put a swimsuit on. It's like, busted. So it's not quite the first shut up Leonard, but that comes later with the uh, thanks for eating all the macaroni. And I think if this were to be a maybe Leonard versus study group, because then you would have to kind of incorporate all the shut up Leonards. But since it's just Jeff and that's a little bit more narrow and even to where when Jeff first starts becoming a teacher and he and Hickey are together and like Hickey threatens Leonard and he puts Leonard's earring on the meatball there you still get a little bit more Jeff Leonard relationship there but I, I gotta go Troy and LeVar Burton on this one so I am very glad that you mentioned that about the the, the posting for Leonard just an older actor who can swim. I didn't know that. So that was uh, informative for me. I appreciate that. Well, and they say um, in that commentary, they say he was in the pool for so long that they, I don't, I think they might've been using a little bit of hyperbole saying he almost drowned, but like I'm, he was in the pool for a long time. I totally can believe that. So Richard Erdman playing Leonard, I really enjoyed. And he was one of those guys where since he was in community, I, I looked back on his previous work found out he's an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show, which was hilarious. What I like about this pairing, and I'm not sure, Dave, if this is part of what you were going to, but there is that fan theory that says that Leonard is Jeff 40 years later, roaming the schools of, roaming the halls of Greendale in perpetuity. And that's a fascinating theory. And part of that is why I like you know, you, you know, Dan, you mentioned if it were Leonard and the study group, that would be one thing. But by just limiting to Jeff and Leonard, I feel like we can talk specifically about that theory, whether or not it's actual, you know, who knows? We won't know until the movie comes out, but it's just fascinating. And it's an interesting kind of commentary on that type of character and staying in one place for such a long time. All that said, I am going to side with Troy and LeVar Burton. How many pairings in a sitcom lead to a million people signing a petition for somebody to be the host of Jeopardy. So I know I'm cheating a little bit by going outside of the confines of actual scenes and footage from community, but the fact that that response from the fan base obviously hit the reading rainbow fan base and Star Trek fan bases as well. But I happen to think that a fair amount of community lovers um, were involved in in pushing LeVar not to ultimately host Jeopardy, but uh, were, were certainly some of the thrust behind the campaign. All right, so we are we are back to advancing the favorite here, it sounds like. So we'll move Troy and LeVar Burton on to the next round. Getting into that next round, now we've got to talk about our number one seed, Troy and the AC Repair School, going up against the number five seed, who pulled a, a small upset in the first round, Elroy and white folks. 
So I'll just keep talking here. One of the other things that I really love about Troy and AC Repair, that pairing deliberately through how the season works excludes the rest of the study group. So it's, hey, let's take Troy out of the study group because of, you know, their their rigid criteria on, you know, attendance and just their, their policies and things. And that's really kind of fascinating too. So it does more for the fabric of the study group than, than the five C does here, Elroy versus or Elroy and white folks. So for me, I'm definitely leaning that direction. And yeah, I, I guess I, I don't have a ton more to say about that, but for me, I I'm, I'm sticking with the one seed here. What do you think, Dan? I think it's interesting when you talk about, especially because we, we bring this up and we have a harder time placing later main characters, being it Hickey, be it Elroy, be it Frankie, only because they have a lot less to work with. I would say you could argue that they're a little bit closer, as at least as far as size goes, because Elroy did only have, I want to say there was 13 episodes in the Yahoo season, I think. And he wasn't in one or two of them, so he only had like 10 or so. Whereas if you put that up against the Troy and the AC Repair arc, you could probably say they're close to where, you know, there are some regular episodes in season three that has the entire study group versus just the handful where it's really strictly about Troy and air conditioning repair or the B or the C story. Yeah, so it's, I think they're closer in size than we might realize. I think the Elroy and White folks is a little bit more nebulous. There's a little bit more room for interpretation, especially because that's how that's how a lot of his character, some of the jokes are. And so it's introduced and where it's like they even have the one can't remember what the the joke is where they all kind of stop and they look at him and Elroy's like, oh, are we going to have one of those moments where you're going to say something that could be interpreted in a way, but you're going to look at me and give I'll give you the all clear. And so I think that plays really strongly into it. Whereas Troy versus AC Repair is such a prominent B and C story versus Elroy and White Folks, it becomes Elroy and White Folks is almost like an anecdotal. Like it's never outside of the couple times he works with Jeff. And there's the one episode where Elroy and Abed are trying to figure out the baby bird's nest that's in the Wi-Fi router. But you couldn't even, I guess you could call it white folks, I, even though I think we've discussed Danny's Pakistani. So, so you know, let me jump in real quick here because you just reminded me, even though it takes place after Keith David and uh, or Elroy, after Elroy leaves, as Abed is pitching season seven ideas, one of the areas that they come back to is discussing, you know, at, at this kind of meta level, it's when, the, when the Dean is pitching his. Is it bringing um, in Elroy and Shirley? Right. Should we, yep. can we bring it? Is this combination going to work? And, you know, the Dean says, oh, and there's a whole third black person there. <laughs> He's just sitting and in like, the corner. <laughs> right. And it's so painful mm-hmm. to hear him say that. And, you know, when talking about where they sit. Uh, as of uh, as of the 1960s, it's wherever they want, and it's this guy who is trying so badly to save face and mm-hmm. not be viewed as racist and not say racist things that he goes into you know to go back to when they were conducting the study for the Greendale mascot. Jeff has this line. He says, "I think not being racist is the new racist," because yeah. they've got every so. It's a really pretty clever way, and I'm glad that you said what you did because that that reminded me that I did want to talk about this in the uh, series finale. And it's a really interesting way to 
talk about how the production of the series went for the casting and, you know, where do we go in a way that says, you know, we didn't maybe do it perfectly. And we're trying to, you know, be open and honest about that in a way that, you know, doesn't feel good when you're watching it, but is also honest. And, and for me, there's merit to that. Oh, I totally agree with you. It's one of those things, too. And that's I feel like that's something the series never shied away from. Whereas if there was something that they realized that was a glaring omission or that was a room for improvement, that if they couldn't fix it with casting or with a line or with a B or a C story, that they would acknowledge it and then they would take that and they would move forward. And I think that even though they're close as far as content goes, I think because it's so integral to the story and to the season three arc, I would still, I'm still going to go Troy and AC repair because I think you're getting with as good as Elroy and white folks is and keep on wearing those pants is a good friend of mine's ringtone. Oh my God. So yeah. So not to take anything away from Elroy and white folks, because I think that that's, it's a good way of surmising it and it's a good conversation starter, but I think there's more going on with Troy and the AC repair. But I think we both agree it was closer than maybe we initially thought. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I'm glad it ended up being as close as it was for you guys. I uh, wasn't sure how generally or how specifically you were going to take it. But, you know, it seems like that was a struggle that his character had. I mean, even Natalie is freezing. We didn't even get to Natalie is freezing. Oh, um, it's just, it, it's always been a hang-up for him. Natalie, right? And, uh... You know, that's something they really embrace with that character. So I'm glad we got to include that. That is where It's a Journey ends in this bracket, though. Now let's talk about who goes up to face the number one seed in the final here. And that's going to be either the number seven seed, Study Group and Professor Garrity, or the number three seed, Troy and LeVar Burton. What a matchup. Ooh, yeah. This is going to be a barn burner. So Troy and LeVar Burton versus Study Group and Professor Garrity. It's so interesting because they're so drastically different relationships. And I think that's why this makes the oddball bracket fun to talk about. Because the Troy and LeVar Burton, a lot of that is based on almost the lack of communication and Troy just freaking out and not being able to respond and being almost catatonic around his hero and being triggered by Pierce just bringing LeVar Burton, even though he knew how Troy would react, versus the study group and Professor Garrity, where you're having a lot more action, you're having a lot more plot being advanced forward. Uh, there's the whole episode that Jeff and Annie have the conspiracy theories, and then you have the whole episode about Troy and Britta in the acting class, and then you have the whole episode like about Abed getting into Nicolas Cage, into that full-blown character, so... Almost every member of the study group gets their own independent arc with Garrity. And then you have Troy and LeVar Burton, which is, it's so hard to put words to it because everyone who sees the show has had in their head for weeks Troy singing the Reading Rainbow theme song and then weeping going, set phasers to love me. It's one of the first things you quote when you start watching this show because it's just so round peg round hole like nail on the head like that's just a joke that keeps on giving and a relationship that they really know how to pay off well like just peppering in the mostly Pierce peppering in LeVar Burton and then how they bring him back at the end once Pierce has passed away and at the end of the 
is that the third bottle episode at that point when they're talking about the lie detector episode? I'm, I'm blanking on the names, but I think it may be technically the third bottle episode. So, man, I had to pick between these two again. They're both so good. Somebody save me. I'm in a conundrum again. Do you want to go? Do you want to make Dave talk or you want to see where you feel, Adam? So for me, and you raise great points, certainly raise great points. I don't know that I have a ton necessarily to add to one or the other. And, you know, sometimes you can actually do a comparison of just pound for pound hilarity of a moment. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be a deciding factor. Thinking about the um, conspiracy theories episode is one of my absolute most favorite moments on the quadruple crossing before Officer Kakowski comes in and just having Jim Rash cry so comedically satisfying. And there aren't many moments in the show that can like go toe to toe with that. But for me, Troy crying, apparently it's just about crying. That's what makes me laugh, I guess. In the bathroom, mm-hmm. singing the bummer remix of the Reading Rainbow theme song. Those are heavyweight champions of the entire show. So I don't know that that's, uh, that's almost a wash for me because they're both so, so, so funny. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a deadlock. The only thing that I'll say, and this is not entirely true, as, as we know, because Donald had said that he was going to go do his own show, Atlanta, and that's why he's leaving. But LeVar Burton takes Troy away from us, whereas mm-hmm. Professor Garrity stays and, as you mentioned, has arcs with everyone. So I'm going just slight preference, slightly in favor of Garrity and the study group with the seven seed continuing their their upset rounds here. Ooh, and you know, because we brought it up twice, I do want to say as a quick sidebar, another brilliant and i feel like this for me anyway i don't know how dave feels but as far as possibly bumping off the eight seed i think officer kakowski and the study group would have been an amazing oddball seating because Let's just every, do it over Scrap every time he pops up it's so funny especially when he has like the young hacker and he's like also goes by fart mitzvah what does he want once mcdonald's yeah, absolutely. Kakowski could have made it on here. I just thought about that. I didn't think about it until we were sitting here talking about it. Dave, do I have to make a decision or do you want to come in and save me for myself again? At this point, I'm riding the upset train. I think uh, as much as in the previous region it ended up being chalk, you guys were cracking wise about, you know, me uh, you know, seating too well. I think uh, I think I really blew it. I really blew it here. And so great points about Troy and LeVar Burton. I love everything about that relationship. I'm I'm going to continue on with the upset here. I want to see how Garrity and the study group goes up against Troy and AC Repair. With the number one seed going up against the number seven seed here to resolve this oddball bracket. So especially with those, the ones given that are left, and that's what makes this, and this is a personal thing for me, why I have a hard time with these ranking specials is because I love, the, it's like picking... But everyone knows that. I would say it's like picking your favorite children or pets, but it's like, of course I have a favorite pet of my pets. Like, there's the one cat that's asleep right now. Oh, she's asleep. She can't hear me. Of course you have a favorite, but it's like when you're talking about these, they all bring such joy and such jubilation to me basically every time I see it. And Troy and AC repair in arguably the best season in season three compared to the study group and Professor Garrity over the course of multiple seasons, but also Every time you bring him in, he's 
adding something new and giving a new layer with all of the jokes, with everything he's setting up, because he's basically like a pop culture conduit for whatever you want to add in from reality through Garrity to the study group, whether you want a Nicolas Cage impression, whether you want to do conspiracy theories, whether you want the acting class and you're kind of taking the piss out of actors and like how they're viewed by the populace en masse. But then you still have the whole arc of Troy and then to a lesser extent Abed and how that works with the AC repair and then bringing in John Goodman and then the duel in the sun chamber, which is just back and forth. And because that's cut in, it's intercut so well in the end of season three, which is when we discussed one of the first episodes we did, that that's arguably my favorite finale and how that is so well balanced. Just oof. I think for those reasons, I have to go Troy and AC repair in the final. I have to stay with the one seed, which is interesting because when I looked at the seedings, I was kind of like, how is Troy and LeVar Burton not number one? But as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, this is making more sense. This is I'm understanding where we're going with it. And because of the weight it has for me, I love everything that comes out of study group and Professor Garrity. But at the end of the day, those relationships are often great one-offs, whereas Troy and AC Repair is interwoven with every member of the study group, and it fundamentally changes all of them for a really long time. Whereas I like everything Garrity brings to the table, and those are some of the best pound-for-pound laugh moments, but the characters generally aren't changed as drastic as it was from the massive story arc of the AC repair over season three. We've talked about these a lot by virtue of them having advanced to the championship matchup here. So just to add a couple little things, the fact that Greendale community college is where, or where room temperature, they have that room is just room temperature psychologically. So satisfying to me content for a joke. I don't know where the, air ends my skin begins and they also have the the north wind the east wind the south wind and the 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 one we keep secret right the secret wind all of that is gold and we haven't even mentioned uh space panini hitler oh my god (laughs) how could you not mention that this this far into it okay so just to be clear because i also thought this was one thing i had conflated in my head i thought it was black hitler in a spacesuit making a panini but they're actually two separate characters. They are two uh, separate Black things, Hitler yes. and Spaceman Panini are, are two separate, uh, distinct why? characters within there the AC two, Repair School. There are two separate characters, whereas why is there a Spaceman in the corner making <coughs> Paninis? Isn't well, that right, Black Hitler? You know what? I think the fact that both of those are distinct things and not just one thing might have helped me decide that uh, no, no. <laughs> based on the sheer amount of content and the sheer number of jokes Considering we're dealing with relationships here, most of my decisions have not been informed by comedy and humor, but I think in this case it's going to. So I just now decided, as I was talking through it, to go with the Troy and the AC Annex. Great run by uh, Study Group and Professor Garrity, though. Yeah, it was close, if not for uh, Black Hitler and the Spaceman making paninis being separate people if that was one person i was going to go the other way so well, i then, accidentally sabotaged my boy at the last minute well, but that's 
that's the best part is because it's you were conflating in your head because that's what Troy does. And he says, he goes, I want to mix Spaceman Paninis with Black Hitler and there's nothing you can do about it. And there is. There's nothing we can do about it. We just figured that out. Mm hmm. All right. So there we have it. You guys have officially taken the final vote out of my hand and decided that Troy and the AC Repair School is the truest winner of this bracket. I am the truest repairman. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just about Troy and the AC school. Man, who'd have thunk? And that might sound like an easy resolution, but we're not writers. We're actors. The story doesn't matter here. It doesn't matter here. All that matters is our time in the spotlight. <laughs>